I'm Dr. Nicole Byers, clinical psychologist and brain health expert, and you're listening to The Bold Life Podcast, the podcast for working moms who are feeling stressed out and overwhelmed trying to do it all. As a working mom with big career dreams, I know what it's like to not have enough time in the day and to lack the skills and confidence to reach your goals. I have spent years understanding how our brains work and learning what holds us back from having the courage to reach our dreams. Each week, I'll be sharing practical strategies to help you find more time in your day, build your confidence, fight back against mom guilt, and reach your goals. If you want to learn how to thrive both at home and at work, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to the Bold Life Podcast. Today, I want to talk about brain fog. With my background as a neuropsychologist, I get asked a lot of questions like, why is my memory so bad? Why do I have trouble focusing? And why does my thinking feel so inefficient or foggy? Today, I'm going to explain three causes of brain fog and give you some strategies to boost your mental resources and get your thinking back on track. Let's dive in. You've probably heard me tell the story of how I spent about a billion years in university. Okay, not really, but it sure felt like it. All of that training was focused on becoming what's called a neuropsychologist, a psychologist who studies brain health. I did rotations in hospitals all across the country with folks who had injuries and illnesses to their brains, things like strokes or dementia, including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, and people who needed brain surgery to treat conditions like Parkinson's or to remove tumors. To do this, I learned how to use these really specific tasks that we use in psychology and neuropsychology that identify what parts of your brain are doing what they're supposed to do and what parts aren't doing their job. They're not working as they're supposed to. These tasks that we use test skills like learning, memory, how well you focus and pay attention, language skills like can you understand what other people are saying, can you produce language, does your speech sound right, Can you problem solve? Can you think outside the box? All these different areas that impact how we do things day to day. So I get done all this training and I get my dream job in a hospital, working in a neurology team with folks with illnesses or injuries to their brains. And I think, excellent. I know how to help these folks and their families. I understand what's going on in their brains. I have these tasks that are going to help me show them where they're struggling and help them adapt day to day. I know what to expect going forward. I know what I can do in this role, and I know how I can provide some support. I'm feeling pretty confident, feeling pretty excited about this new job. Like I said, it was my dream job where I'd always wanted to work in a field I'd always been really interested in. And about half of my work was doing just that, what I had trained for a billion years to do, working with individuals with brain injuries or illnesses that impacted their brain. So I felt confident, and I knew what I was doing in these areas. But you knew that was coming, right? The other half of the clients I saw, I had no clue at first what was going on with them. Here's a typical situation for these folks. So a woman comes into my office and says, oh, I can't remember anything. I forget where I've put my phone and my purse. My kids have to ask me things over and over. I keep messing up and making errors at work. What the heck is going on? So it starts out pretty similar to my other cases, right? But here's the difference. This client is in her late 30s. She's never had a major illness or injury to her brain. She's otherwise really healthy. So we do all those tasks that I mentioned, test all these skills. Everything comes out normal. Her memory is fine. She can learn and remember what she's taught. She can focus. 
Her thinking is quick and efficient on the tasks. She's smart, clever, a good problem solver. There are no problems with her brain. Her brain is doing what it's supposed to be doing. So why is she so forgetful? What's going on? So I started to dive deeper, and here's what the stories for most folks sounded like. And this might sound familiar to you too. So this woman with the memory problems, who can't seem to focus on anything, tells me that she works as a senior manager for a busy tech company. She's responsible for about 100 employees, and her company is booming. It's growing all the time, and that's super exciting. Everyone's working really long hours because the company is expanding so fast, like 50 to 60 hour weeks she's putting in. And even when she's at home, she's working. She puts her kids to bed, then it's right back to that computer. She's dealing with emails and responding to messages throughout the day. Her phone is basically attached to her hand. Even when she's home resting, she's not resting because she's always working, always putting out those little fires that come up with a growing business, right? Really being responsive to her staff, really trying to help everyone out and help this business grow. Plus, she has aging parents and her dad's not in great health right now. So she's a little bit worried about him. Oh, and her two kids, they're involved in a gazillion activities. They have soccer and baseball, and they're going to activities almost every night. Plus, her husband works too. Her sleep is garbage. Who has time to sleep when you're working 50 hours a week? You got two kids and a family and parents to look after. She eats at her desk, usually just a giant coffee and a granola bar. And the last time she went to the gym was a year ago. At this point, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, I'd be exhausted and forgetful too. That's so much. Absolutely. So would I. But here's the thing. It's a lot easier to see these problematic behavior patterns in others. It's not so easy to see them in ourselves. Take a minute here and turn that magnifying glass around on yourself. How much sleep are you getting? Are you thinking about all the stuff you have to get done all the time? Does it feel like your brain is always going, thinking about work and family and that stuff you need to get done before you go to bed or you're in bed and you're laying there thinking about everything you need to get done as soon as you get up in the morning? Don't worry, my friend, you're not alone. We live in this go, go, go society, especially over the last year where we've all had to do tremendous changes and adapt to so many new things with the global COVID pandemic. So our brains are on all the time. We're always thinking, we're trying to multitask, we're trying to do it all, we're trying to squeeze more time into our day by doing lots of things at once, we're managing work and the kids, maybe you're doing some homeschooling, we're trying to keep our bodies healthy, still eating healthy meals, getting some exercise, maybe there's some extra stress like finances are tight right now, or a family member who's struggling with their health, or a friend who's leaning on you for support. All of this stuff takes up brain resources. And we know that your brain resources are limited. We only have so many to go around. All of those things on your to-do list take up resources. And when you're thinking about work or your family or your to-do list all the time, that thinking is using up that brain energy, using up all those brain resources. Our brains prioritize keeping us safe. They want to make sure we're walking, we're talking, we're breathing. Remembering where you put your phone, that's low priority for your brain. When our resources are spent, often the first indication are changes in our thinking efficiency. Our thinking feels foggy, we start to stumble over our words, we get distracted, we forget where we put our phone, we're missing appointments, we make silly mistakes that we wouldn't normally do, sending those emails with a typo or the wrong date on them. 
Our brains only have limited resources. And when we're burnt out, when we're under a lot of stress and pressure, usually those mistakes are some of our first signs that our brain is getting spent. Our brain is running out of those key resources. And then, so we start making these mistakes, our thinking feels foggy, we're stumbling over our words. Here's the really annoying part. If you're already an ambitious overachiever or a bit of a perfectionist, your brain sees these mistakes and says, oh man, I keep messing up. This is not acceptable. So you start stressing about your mistakes, which just makes you more likely to mess up. You've probably had that experience before where you were trying to remember someone's name. Maybe it was someone that you work with, or maybe it was a famous person, an actor, someone like that, and you just can't quite think of it. It's right there, but you can't remember their name. Then later on, you're standing in the shower or you're driving home, and that name comes to you really easily, right? It's a pretty common experience, and it actually happens because of how our brains work. When we're trying really hard to focus on something, when we're trying really hard to remember some information, it actually inhibits the surrounding neurons in that part of our brain. The neurons are the parts of our brain that help send our messages throughout our brain and our body. So when we're focusing too hard, it actually makes it harder for those neurons to get activated. So it's harder for those memories to come to us. But when we get a break, when we think about something else for a while, those neurons, everything relaxes in that area, systems recharge, and they're able to fire properly again. No wonder then we have these experiences, right? It makes sense when we understand the brain. The problem is, is that if we start making mistakes and we become really focused on them, oh man, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to make a typo. I don't want to say the wrong thing. The same process happens in our brains. Our brains start to get stressed and overwhelmed. They stop firing properly. That inhibition occurs where it's tough for us to fire those neurons that we need to, to find those memories, to prevent ourselves from making those mistakes. So we actually make more mistakes. I know it sounds unfair and counterintuitive. You say, Nicole, if I'm focusing really hard on not messing up, I should catch my mistakes. Sorry, that's not actually how our brains work. They work best when we're not stressing about messing up. They work best when we're just letting things happen more naturally, like when we're thinking later on and then that name suddenly comes to us. So back to my story of working at my dream job. So I'm working in this hospital. Half my clients are the ones that I expect to see what I've been training for years to work with. And then I realize a huge portion of my clients are dealing with something else. And what they're dealing with is what in psychology we call somatic cognitive symptoms. Nothing is wrong with their brain. Their brain itself is healthy. Remember that woman I told you about, she was able to do all these tasks when we put her through all those tests. Her brain is able to do what it needs to do. The problem isn't the brain, it's the mind. Her mind is overloaded. It's running on low resources and we're making mistakes as a result. And so I dove into understanding more about this mind-brain connection, how this works and how we can get our resources back on track. Here are three of the common situations that lead to brain fog from my research and clinical experience. Reason one that we end up in brain fog, being too busy. The overloaded to-do list. You know the one. You have 4,000 things on the go. You're juggling kids, work, life, friends, spouses, family, all these things. We put this constant pressure on ourselves to do more, to get more things checked off, right? And then almost as soon as we get stuff checked off, we put more stuff on the list. 
I know I am bad for this as well. As soon as I have some extra time, I'm thinking, what else can I squeeze in? What extra things can I do? And really what that is, is my inner perfectionist telling me stories about how much I need or should get done. Our perfectionist, our inner perfectionist tells us these stories about not being good enough if we're not busy all the time. Our brains have this belief that we've learned through experience and through society and through the messages that we're getting that we should be busy all the time, right? Busy is the new normal. How many times have you said, hey, how are you doing when you pass someone that you know and they say, oh, busy, right? That's what we all say. Busy is the new normal, but that's not a good thing. And the problem is, is because our brains think that we need to stay busy all the time, that if we're not acting, we're doing something wrong or we're failing or we're not good enough, when we actually sit down to relax, we feel guilty, right? You sit down at the end of a day and there's those dishes staring at you from across the room and all you want to do is rest for a little bit, but that nagging guilt in the back of the brain pops up and says, eh, you should probably get up and tackle those dishes or do these 500 other chores, right? We've all been there before. Even though we check things off, we keep adding those things back in. Like I said, our to-do list stay at least as long, if not getting longer. And the end result is our brains are always going. We're not giving them the time to rejuvenate. So we're starting out with depleted mental resources. What happens? Then we get forgetful. We're distracted and our thinking is less efficient. As we heard, the problem with this is that it just leads us to making more mistakes, which creates that awful cycle of being really hard on ourselves and stressing even more. So we're using up more brain resources, we're making more mistakes, and around and around and it goes. The second factor that leads to brain fog is emotional stress from our inner people pleaser. Your inner people pleaser is the one who's worried about messing up and upsetting someone else who's worried about letting other people down, who's always worrying in the back of your mind about what other people might think, what other people might say, how you might be perceived or interpreted. The one that works together with your inner perfectionist to tell you that you always have to do more. It says, I can't say no to that extra project or my boss will be mad, even though I haven't slept in three days. I can't say no when I'm asked to help with my kid's soccer fundraiser because the school needs me and I don't want to disappoint my kids. You know the one, right? That people pleaser and that inner perfectionist are always working in the back of our minds, making us feel like we should be doing more and that it's hard for us to take a break. I've talked before on the podcast about how this inner people pleaser evolved to keep us safe. Thousands of years ago, it was really important that we were liked by other people, right? We're working together in this group. We don't want to get kicked out of the cave because we pissed someone off. So it's really important that other people like us. But what this taught us is that our brains learned that we need to stress and worry about what other people think. We're probably not going to get kicked out of the cave to fend for ourselves anymore if we upset someone, but we still worry about what everyone else is thinking. And not just the really important people. We worry about our family and our parents, our spouses, our kids. We worry about what they think, but we also worry about the opinions of that stranger at the grocery store or that kid you grew up with and you haven't seen in 30 years, but you're still Facebook friends with, or those other strangers on the internet that you're never going to meet in real life. Our brain worries about what all these people think, and that creates a ton of pressure on ourselves. All of that worrying is taking up mental resources, making our thinking less efficient, which can lead to foggy thinking, mistakes, 
memory errors, and trouble concentrating. The third contributor to brain fog is not taking care of our bodies. Remember I mentioned how strongly connected our brains and our bodies are? What impacts one is going to impact the other part. Here's an example. Have you ever had a bad cold or a flu? You felt physically sick, right? Your body didn't feel great, but also your thinking sucked, right? It was really hard to focus and concentrate. You're congested, you're sneezing, you're achy, you don't feel good, and it's really hard to think. If you've ever tried to do any work projects while you're sick, you know what I mean. You just want to stay in bed all day because your memory is shot, you're stumbling over your words, and it's really impacting how you're doing. That's because when our bodies aren't in great health, it impacts our brain health as well. Remember, our bodies and our brains only have so many resources. If I'm sick and not feeling well, my brain is pushing all those resources to healing my body. Means not a lot of resources left for things like remembering where I put my phone or remembering that I have to get to that appointment or getting the right words out when I'm talking to someone. When we're not taking care of our bodies, it impacts our minds and our mental resources. This doesn't just apply when we're feeling sick. Even things like not getting enough sleep will impact our mental resources. And unfortunately, sleep is one of those things we tend to cut out when we're really busy, right? If I have this work project I need to get done, it's easy to say, okay, I'm just going to stay up tonight to push through this, or I'm going to get up early for the next week to do it. Short term, our brain is really adaptable and is able to handle those little spurts where we stay up one extra night or we get one night of bad sleep. That's okay. It's not going to really impact us. The problem is it's rarely one night, right? It's okay. I'm going to stay up tonight to work on this project. And then something else comes up at work and I have to stay up again. Or my kids have this stuff that they need to get done. So I'm going to get up early to help them with it before they go to school and on and on and on. And we end up cutting out sleep and it becomes a chronic problem. If we're getting less than seven to nine hours of nightly sleep, we know our thinking efficiency goes down. There's been a ton of research on this. The research says over time, our memory's impacted, we're not as good at problem solving, we get really distracted, and our thinking is not efficient if we're not getting that minimum seven to nine hours of sleep. And you've probably had that experience as well. I don't need to tell you what the research says. You know that after a few nights of bad sleep, your thinking is down. I remember when my daughter was young and she wasn't sleeping through the night yet, I felt like I was in a constant fog. Sometimes we call it mom brain, right? And really, one of the primary factors is sleep deprivation when our kids are young. We've all been there before. Sleep is so important to our thinking efficiency. Diet is also really important too. And there's no specific foods that we need to eat or not eat here. But really, what I mean when I talk about diet and brain efficiency is what goes into our body fuels our brain. 20% of the resources we take in of our energy goes to our brain. If we're not fueling our body with a balanced diet, if we're living off of coffee and granola bars, we're not really starting from a full cup. We're going to get foggy thinking a whole lot faster. Instead, if we're putting in all the food groups, if we're eating regularly, if we're not living off coffee all day, it's going to give our brain a lot more resources, so our memory and our thinking are going to be a lot better. Same goes for drinking enough water. We know that being dehydrated by just 2% can reduce thinking efficiency. So getting enough sleep, keeping your body and your brain healthy, fueling your body and mind, is going to make a big difference in terms of brain fog and thinking efficiency. So what can we do with brain fog? Chances are, if you're young and you're otherwise healthy, there's probably not something wrong with your brain. 
It's a matter of brain resources leading you to be forgetful, distractible, and to make those mistakes day to day. Start simple. Like I said, a great place to start is focusing on your health, sleep, and diet. Start your brain from that full cup. Get that seven to nine hours of sleep. Make sure you're actually taking time throughout the day to eat, eat at least something, try to get all those food groups in. It's going to boost your brain's resources. And when we're starting from a full cup, even if we're really overloaded, if we got a lot of stuff going on, we'll have more resources to put towards that. Along with this, take real breaks, real breaks. Put the phone down, put it out of sight for a while every day. Give your mind that break. If you're coming home from work and you're checking your phone every 20 minutes to see if there's something that you need to attend to, your brain isn't giving itself that chance to recuperate. And we know when our brain is always on, on, on like that, it's draining our resources and our thinking efficiency is going to go down. As much as it seems like, you know, if I just keep working, if I push through lunch, if I don't stop, I'm going to get more done. That's actually not the case. Our brains only do well focusing for about 60 to 90 minutes. So if you're working on a task for longer than that without taking a break, your efficiency is going to go down and you're going to get less done. So take those breaks every 60 to 90 minutes throughout the day, get up, walk around for a little bit, come back or do something else and make sure you're scheduling that time in your day when you're taking those real breaks, when you're putting the phone away, when you're focusing on something that's fun. Another way to manage brain fog, cut down the to-do list. You can check out episode five of the Bold Life podcast for why your to-do list is burning you out. I talked all about this and why having that giant to-do list is really just setting us up for failure and disappointment and some strategies for prioritizing what actually needs to get done and what can maybe wait for another day or what can be done by someone else or what can get just dropped off that list altogether. I won't go into this a lot here. Like I said, you can check out episode five to hear more. But one of the problems with our to-do list is that our brain thinks everything on that list is equally important. And 99% of the time, that's actually not true. There are things that take priority. There will things on that list that will make a bigger difference in your life. And even though it feels like everything is important, it's not actually the case. So taking a hard look at that to-do list, looking at those priorities can really help cut that back. I mentioned already the importance of taking breaks and doing something that you enjoy, but doing things that are fun and enjoyable for your brain is a great way to build brain resources and actually can even help us live longer. Our brains love doing things that are fun. It's a great way to fuel our mental resources. Our brains like doing things that we enjoy. It's engaging and it can actually fuel us up. And you've probably noticed this before, right? When you're working on a hobby that you really enjoy, you can work on it for a really long time without feeling burnt out because your brain is having fun. It's enjoyable. So your brain is more motivated. and It doesn't use up your resources in the same way as if you were putting all that time into a tedious task or a work task that you didn't enjoy. So do something fun every day. If it's a hobby, spending time with family and friends, reading is a great way to build brain resources. And like I said, when we're doing these things that are fun and enjoyable for our brain, not only does it give us more resources day to day, but can even help us live longer, which is a great thing. Don't forget to subscribe to the Bold Life podcast so you never miss an episode and leave a review so others who could benefit from listening can find us easier check out my newest free training, The Decision-Making Formula. 
you'll get two quick video lessons from me and a workbook where I walk you through why your brain has such a tough time making some decisions and how you can feel more confident in your decisions without instantly doubting yourself and worrying you're doing it all wrong. So you can take action faster without endless procrastination and indecision. Check out drnicolebyers.com forward slash formula to get started. Okay, let's review what we've learned today because it's been a lot. We talked about three causes of brain fog. One was being too busy and your inner perfectionist keeping that to-do list going on and on. Two was your inner people pleaser making you feel guilty for saying no. And three was sacrificing your health to try and get more done in the day, which actually makes your brain less efficient. If you're noticing you're having trouble focusing or making more mistakes, take a few minutes, sit down, and write out everything you've got on your mind right now. You might be surprised how much work your brain is actually doing, and writing it all out can give us some perspective on where we can cut back and really prioritize those brain resources. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nicole Byers, and this is the Bold Life Podcast. Bye.